the sports dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and that pop you just heard was the Warriors dynasty disappearing. That is right, Game 6 just ended minutes ago as I record this for you. And the Toronto Raptors are your new NBA champions. And with no surprise, Kawhi Leonard is your MVP. And what a Game 6 it was. It makes you wish there was a Game 7. Because there is nothing better than a Game 7 in any sport, except maybe one recent Game 7. But we'll get to that later. The NBA Finals just ended. Minutes ago, the Warriors, you can look at it and say, no KD, Klay Thompson got hurt in this game and did not return. But you know what? Injuries are a part of the game. If you want to put an asterisk next to this team's championship, go right ahead. It's not going to bother them. Champion's a champion. That's all there is to it. Injuries are a part of the game. So for anybody that's going to try to say, well, you know, the Raptors only won because there was no Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, stop it. You're being ridiculous. If that's the case... Take away the Golden State Warriors 2015 championship because there was no Kyrie and Kevin Love. And guess what? The following year, those guys helped LeBron come back from a 3 1 deficit to beat the Warriors, the exact same team. So don't tell me injuries take away from a championship because the Warriors still pride themselves on that one. And most professional sports championships would have to have some sort of asterisk next to them. If we were going to play, well, this guy was injured, that guy was injured. Because injuries just happen. They're a part of the game. The Warriors were down 2-1. KD, you know, KD wasn't even playing. They were down 2-1. Then they were down 3-1. KD comes back. Doesn't make that much of a difference. And sadly, ruptured his Achilles. We're going to touch on that real quick before we talk about the rest of Game 6 because... It was incredible. It was a great game. So real quick, we look at Game 5 because I haven't talked since that happened. Kevin Durant plays, which if you ask me personally, I did not expect him to. I didn't think he should chance it. Didn't think he should play. He's got too big of a, much of a summer, too big of a summer coming up. Just wasn't worth it. Didn't seem the point. Honestly, especially down 3-1. But, you know, he gave it a go. He wanted to show people that, you know, I'm here for my team. I'm trying my best. I think I can give it a go. The doctors apparently have said, I can't make it worse. Well, guess what? It was made worse. A lot worse. Kevin Durant will not be back at all on the court next year, which is a shame. He's a top five player, top three player, top two player. Could be the number one player in the league. And he will not be on the court Next year, who knows if it will be in Oakland or wherever the Warriors are playing next year, San Francisco, or if it will be with the Knicks. It will be interesting because Kevin Durant's still going to get paid like he's going to play next year, even though he won't. 
If I'm him, I stick with the Warriors for next year and do my rehab. I don't have to move. I don't have to do any of that. Give me yourself one more year. Let the next, you know, get another high pick. If that is my true destination, why not help them out? Let them, you know, have another bad year, get another high pick. Maybe leverage that into getting another major star traded to the Knicks. If that is Kevin Durant's goal, that would be the move. The Warriors' doctors were the ones that told you, hey, you can't make it worse. And then you made it worse. Make them pay you and do the rehab with them. You're comfortable with them anyway. You're comfortable with the team around you. You might get another ring out of it for all you know. Because if it wasn't for Clay Thompson, you know, being hobbled and Kevin Durant, you you may have had a shot. The Raptors, though, were just, I think, even with a healthy Kevin Durant, would have been a hard team to top. They're very good from top to bottom. They have a lot more bench depth than the Warriors do. And it showed a lot during the series. Van Vliet alone, huge surprise, hit tons of major shots, not only in game six, but a bunch of the other ones. I mean, the guy was just incredible. You got to give him credit. I would have given him finals MVP just for the fact that without him coming off the bench and doing what he did, Raptors don't win the series. It's, it's just that simple. Kawhi Leonard was phenomenal, and we will talk about it more. But Van Vliet was just awesome. Obviously, what's not awesome is the fact that Kevin Durant tore his Achilles in Game 5, like I've been saying. It'll be an interesting free agency period. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do. Like I said, if I were him, I'd stick with the Warriors. Do your rehab. You know you're going to get the money. Get healthy. Do your summer free agency next year. When, you know, you can show teams, hey, I'm healthy, I'm back. Because at this point, I get the Knicks are like, you know what, we'll take Kevin Durant no matter what. But at the same time, do you really want to chance the fact that he's not the same guy who was before this injury? Now, there's nothing to say he won't be. Pretty much guaranteed he'll come back at least 99%. DeMarcus Cousins sure did. So... Plus, who knows, maybe then Cousin stays on the team because he'll be more needed next year. I probably don't think he stays, but sidetracked. Kevin Durant, you know, hopefully he just quick recovery. He's not playing next year, though, which is just a huge loss for the NBA and fans of everybody. No matter what you think about him, I've not said the nicest thing always about him. But after he came and tried to play in Game 5 and everything that happens... You got to respect him. He was trying to be there for his teammates. He was trying to help them out. And, I mean, he really did. Those 11 points he provided in his 12 minutes were a key part of the Warriors being able to squeak out that win. So besides that, let's now get into game six because it was the last game of the NBA season, which is a shame, but at the same time, I don't have to stay up super late anymore. So it's a win for me. It's a win for Toronto. And most importantly, it's a win for Drake. Yeah, we can give him the win, right? Because that this means the Drake curse is officially over. I gotta assume. And if it doesn't, I mean, what's the guy gotta do? The Blue Jays have to win? Like, who has to win for this curse to be broken? Curse is broken. I'm saying it now. Curse is broken. There is no more Drake curse because his favorite team won. 
There's no way there can be a curse when your team, the team that you live and die for, wins the championship over one of the best teams assembled ever. Not just in the past few years, ever. The Warriors could go up against any team from any decade and would have a legitimate shot of winning. But because they lost this series, yes, they've won three of the past five, but they've also lost two. You can't you can't put them in the category with the Bulls anymore. That that's gone. You can look at the Lakers. You can look at uh, I don't even know who else. I guess the Heat for their short stretch. Those are the teams that they're going to be a part of now. That's it's the fact. There's not much they can do about it. If if they win next year, they win the year after that. They win two or three more times in this span. Sure, put them back in that category. But for now, we may have just witnessed the Golden State Warrior dynasty, whatever you want to call it, be finished. There's no guarantee Klay Thompson comes back. There's no guarantee Kevin Durant signs back. DeMarcus Cousins is probably going to go somewhere where he can get a lot more money. And then you're left with Steph and Draymond and a terrible bench. Like, no offense, but Sean Livingston, really old. Iggy is 35. I mean, he's only got maybe a year or two left at most. Uh, Quinn Cook, he's not a main like starter guy. Drebko, like you don't have the talent around you if you lose any of those guys. Now, if Durant walks, you pay Clay and you try to give as much as you can to Marcus. That's the only way it works, and you have any shot of this run continuing. If you lose Clay and Katie, well, it's done. Steph is great. But it's not that great. You can argue if you want to, but, I mean, he can't carry a team himself. He's not a LeBron-type player. He's not a Kevin Durant-type player. He's not a James Harden, even. Steph is great. He's a phenomenal shooter. One of the best, if not the best, three-point shooter in the history of the game. And he can put up points every night. But he is not the guy that's going to lead you to the finals by himself. He has shown time and time again in big games, in big series, he basically fades to the secondary third scorer role. Only in game three did he really, you know, that he had a stretch. He had a stretch from the end of the Rocket series through the Portland series where he was phenomenal. And you know what? That's not shocking. I mean... Neither of those teams are huge defensive teams. Damian Lillard, Harden, Chris Paul, none of those guys are defensive wonders. They just aren't. Chris Paul used to be, but he's older now. He can't keep up. But the thing that's going to stand out the most, at least from this run and this series, is at the end of the game, Steph couldn't hit the wide open shot. So we're going into game six. Phenomenal game, back and forth. Two minutes left. Raptors up six. Draymond hit a three. You were like, here we go. Game five all over again. And it was inches away from being so. 
with only nine seconds left, eight, whatever it was, however many seconds there were left, I think, yeah, they had nine seconds left on the clock to down by one. They run the play that gets Steph wide open. Like, he had a clear shot at the basket. Nobody in his way. Missed it. He doesn't have the clutch gene. They even showed a stat that showed he is 0 for 7, now 0 for 8 in the final 20 seconds of the NBA Finals on tying or go-ahead baskets. You're just not a clutch player if you can't hit those. If you've had eight attempts and you've hit zero, you can't say he's better than KD. You can't say he's better than LeBron. You can't say he's better than Kawhi. You can't say he's better than Clay, even in that sense. Like, Clay shows up in the big games. You saw tonight, before he hurt his knee, he showed up. He put up 30 points before he exited in the third quarter. Steph, on the other hand, just. Yeah, you had the shot. You had the moment. You want it. You need it to solidify yourself as the guy. Yeah, I know he's won two MVPs. I know he's won three NBA titles. You know, all these different accolades. But I've never looked at Steph and gone, he is the guy. He is one of the guys. He doesn't get any of these championships without Clay and most recently without KD. And even Draymond. Like, he just doesn't do it. You could look at LeBron James and say, yeah, when they came back from 3-1, Kyrie was a big part. Love was a three-part. Big part. Three-part. Love was a big part. But it was LeBron. LeBron got the Cavs back from that hole. Just like the year before, even without those two guys, he still somehow won two games against the Warriors. Despite the fact he had Matthew Dellavedova as his secondary player, and Timothy Mozgov as his third. Kevin Durant was the same type. He can carry a team. Steph can carry a team for a quarter or two, but he needs a lot of help outside of that. He's not great on the defensive side. Usually he's on the second, third, fourth best guy on the court, as long as they're a guard. Like, he's not going to... Clay can play defense. Clay can play offense. Steph is an offensive guy. He is not a defensive guy. And I do give him respect for the fact of this has nothing to do with the game. But at the end of the game, when he went through the tunnel, even after just losing his NBA title, Bill Russell was in the hallway and he made sure to say hello and shake his hand. Like, respect to him for that. And another quick side note, who was the guy that was following Steph in the hallway trying to get an autograph? Like, does he have no sense of, hey, Maybe give the guy a minute or two. You'll get your autograph later. Like, who who even are you? I didn't recognize him. I don't know if he's a celebrity, but still. Like, come on. But yeah, Steph, just no clutch gene. At least in my eyes. That's how I see it. He had his chance. He missed it. Imagine if it was LeBron. Imagine if it was another big guy. Imagine Kobe or Michael missed those shots. People would still be like, they're not clutch. They can't do it. They're not the guy. So Steph falls in that category. There's no passes. There's nothing for that. He had a wide open look. Yes, it did stink that Clay Thompson, you know, got hurt. He probably would have made that shot if he was the one taking it. He came down awkwardly on his knee. 
ended his game for him, ended the series essentially because Clay was the one that was heating up and keeping the Warriors in it. So that kind of stinks. Game seven probably would have been awesome. But again, like I said, I'm glad it's over. And it's not because I wanted the Warriors to lose, which I did. I thought the Raptors were going to win in six. It's just, these late nights are brutal, guys. I got a kid I'm going to get up in like five hours with. So besides that, what can we talk about? Game six, like I said, was phenomenal. Came down to the final seconds. It was really just an awesome game back and forth. Despite the injuries, the Raptors were the better team overall this entire series. The craziest thing about all of it, though, was once the game was officially over, it may have been the most subdued championship game reaction ever. Like, everybody celebrated for about 10 seconds, and then they all were just very calm and shook hands with the Warrior players and just kind of, like, hugged each other. Nothing crazy at all. Nothing like the Stanley Cup. Or Major League Baseball where they all dogpile or, you know, Super Bowl where it's pretty much the same. Like, it was the most Kawhi Leonard reaction by an entire team ever. Like, there was one moment Kawhi laughed and smiled, and I think his brain computer chip malfunctioned because he kind of, like, stopped, short-circuited, froze, and was like, whoa, what was that? Like, that's not a reaction I'm supposed to have. My body doesn't make those facial gestures. So, it was pretty funny. Even Toronto isn't going crazy. They're just shooting off fireworks over a crowd. Like, they're all just standing around. It's very odd. It's a very Toronto, Canada reaction. Like, even in the post-game things, they show the champagne getting poured on guys, and they're just, like, standing there like, it's like, okay, just pour it on me. It's the weirdest thing. It's so weird. But, hey, like I said, Drake's curse is broken, at least, so that's cool. Toronto did that for him. Kawhi Leonard, maybe this changes his mind. Maybe he stays in Toronto. I mean, why not? Why not defend the title? You could do the one- to two-year type deal. At least you know you got the same similar guys coming back. You definitely have a shot to at least make it back to the finals, and if that's the case, despite hopefully no injuries. The NBA offseason will definitely be interesting. It's already going to start You know, next week. Wash is already dropping bombs right after the game ended. So it's all going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm most happy for Kyle Lowry. After missing the shot in Game 5, he played phenomenal in Game 6. Tons of points, rebounds, assists. Like, the guy just did every single part he could to make up for that missed shot. And after all the years of people just joking about him, making fun of him, you know, fat Kyle Lowry type thing, he, he gets his championship. Great for him. Got to feel happy for him. Feel bad for DeMar DeRozan. Kind of was hoping, though, after Clay went out, maybe there would be some sort of WWE-type action and DeMar would just show up out of smoke in a Warriors jersey and they're like, special exemption. He gets to play for them now. Because that would have been awesome. That would have been the coolest thing ever. But it didn't happen. Congrats to the Raptors. Basketball free agency is definitely going to keep the talking of all the NBA stuff going. It'll be interesting. I'm going to end this how Kawhi would end it, you know, and just very simple. Raptors win in six. He's your MVP. He deserved it. We're on to Thrive Fantasy's ad. 
daily fantasy sports have taken the world by storm and Thrive Fantasy has a whole new twist. Make prop picks on only the top players in each game, no more sifting through the 12th man of a basketball roster, then sit back and enjoy the action. 12-Ounce Sports and Thrive Fantasy have now partnered to offer our listeners free house money to play with. Just use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS during your next deposit to receive the bonus. That's Thrive Fantasy and the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. Now go win. All right, Lord Stanley's Cup has found its home in St. Louis. It is getting there by blasting Gloria and having chinchillas dance all night, getting back to Missouri, getting back to the fans in St. Louis who tried to take down the arch. That's how crazy Blues fans went. And they should. They won the Stanley Cup. First time ever in franchise history. It's been 50 years. They beat the team that originally beat them the first time they made the Stanley Cups in the Bruins. And they did it in Game 7 on the road. Now, first off, let's just say, we've talked about it at the beginning. There is nothing, and I mean nothing better to a sports fan's ears than hearing the words, Game 7. Yes, the Super Bowl is a one and done, but in every other major sport, in baseball, hockey, basketball, Game 7s are where the magic moments happen. It's what separates that game from everything else. The craziest things seem to happen. You never know exactly what you're going to get in a Game 7. So you knew Wednesday night had to be big. Boston, hockey town, people going nuts. You had Julian Edelman, Ali Raisman doing the flag. You had people going crazy, char, broken jaw. You were thinking to yourselves, there is no way Boston goes into this and comes out not as the Stanley Cup champions. Well, they laid an egg. Almost. They got one goal in, but man, did Game 7 not live up to the hype. You look at all these Game 7s in history, this will go down as one of the worst ones. And it's a shame. The series has been great. The series back and forth, back and forth, evenly matched throughout the whole time. Both goalies playing on their heads, doing everything they can to keep their teams in it. I mean... At one point, it looked like Tugarask was going to be the Con Smith Trophy winner, no matter what the outcome. But then he gave up four goals last night, and he didn't do it in very good fashion. Granted, there was a lot of defensive breakdowns in front of him, and since I've been watching the Stanley Cup, I feel like I learned more about talking about hockey, so look at me just understanding what I'm saying. So, let's just get into it. We've established who won the game. Let's talk about how they got there. Now... If you looked at the first period in general and the game as a whole, you would be shocked to know that the Bruins, one, didn't score more than one goal, and that, two, the Blues scored four. Because just shots alone, the Bruins shot 33 shots compared to the Blues' 20. Everything else was pretty even. But there's one other stat that gives a key understanding of why the Bruins had a really hard time scoring. There was 21 block shots by the Blues. 21. They put their bodies in front of that puck a lot. And that can't feel good. But they did it because that's what you do in these games. They went up ahead early, and they made sure that there was no way the Bruins can come back. They clogged the middle. They chucked the puck up. They did everything they were supposed to do. Bruins tried. They tried to cycle the puck, get it pucks in deep. All these terms I've learned, I'm, I'm just impressing myself here, folks. 
But one of the biggest moments of the game by one of the best players on both these teams, Brad Marchand, is where this whole game took a change. End of the first period. 10 seconds left. Blues get the puck. Marchand is caught between getting off the ice and trying to figure out what to do. He makes a little jab trying to get, you know, interrupt the play. And then once the guy gets around him, he gets off the ice. He doesn't stick with the play. There's seven, se- there's like seven, eight seconds left in this period. Stay on the ice. Finish, make sure the guy does not do anything that will affect your team going into the, at the end of the first period, only down by one. Instead, he gets off the ice, leaving a Blues player wide open. Now, don't ask me names. I'm terrible at that. And just, he, I mean, he blew it. There was something, I don't know what he did, what he was thinking, but he left Alex Piet, Pietrangelo. I just butchered that. I know that. Just gave him a wide open lane for a pass back by Jaden Schwartz for a goal with 7.9 seconds in the first period left. The Bruins were away. One, not one. 7.9 seconds away from getting into the first intermission down by one goal. One goal is in, you know, you can get you can get past one goal. You can get past from that deficit. Two goals in a game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs, completely different. And they never recovered. They absolutely dominated that first period, but then after that, as much as they dominated, just nothing could be done because the Blues just kept clogging things up. I mean, the Blues did everything right. Bennington played the game of his life. He was a brick wall. And he sets a rookie record for most wins by a goaltender in the Stanley Cup. Very impressive. They played Game 7 perfectly. Plain and simple. They played it perfect, especially after they went up 2-0. They made no wrong moves. And congrats to them. City of St. Louis, coolest thing about it, had to be the fact that every time they showed back in St. Louis, not only was the Enterprise Center or Arena, whatever it's called, was packed to the brim, but because of how many fans showed up, they had an overflow into Bush Stadium or whatever St. Louis Cardinals ballpark is called now. I don't remember if it's that anymore or not. And that was pretty packed. And everybody was just going nuts. Now, granted, I mean, you could... Probably do the same thing in Boston. Red Sox had a game, though. Foxborough's nowhere near. Like, you could have done that if you wanted to, but they didn't. St. Louis fans are just different. I mean, it's us. St. Louis isn't a small town, but it feels almost like a small town with how everybody is. It's a different vibe than a place like Boston or New York or Los Angeles. So it was pretty cool to see some big moments happening. There was one video circulating of a kid after one of the goals just turned around and grabbed some girl and just gave her a big old kiss. I mean, that's just, it's what, it's what big games do to people. Just spontaneous moments. But good for the Blues. I mean, to think about, this is a story in sports that will be made into a movie one day. Not because, you know, we just make everything into movies, but to think. January 2nd of this year, not last year, not the year before, this season, the Blues 
with the worst team in the NHL. 31st out of 31. They make a manager change. They make a few moves. They bring Bennington up. They're Stanley Cup champs now. They went from worst to first in one season. Not even one season. Half a season. You just don't see that. That is not something that happens. Every single every single sport does not have that. There's not a football team sitting at 4-9 that goes on some... Not even 4-9. That wouldn't work at all. There's not some team sitting at like 4... Why do we even keep doing four? There's not a football team sitting at one and six. There you go. That makes a miraculous run, nine straight wins, gets through, goes to the Super Bowl without losing at all. It just doesn't happen. You don't have it in baseball. You could have teams get close in baseball. I mean, another team that had odds against them was the Cardinals back in 2011 or something like that where they were 82-80. and 80. And won the World Series. I mean, put it in perspective of how bad they were. A fan for the Blues was in Vegas, put a bet of $400 on the Blues to win the Stanley Cup. At the time, their odds were 250 to 1 because they were in dead last. He walked away with $100,000 after last night's win. And he could have hedged his bet. He could have gotten... 25,000, 75,000. He was getting offers for his ticket. And he could have walked away with a lot of money. But he believed in this team. And it paid off for him $100,000 on believing a team could go from 31st to 1st. And besides that fan, we got to talk about the other big fan for the Blues. The special fan who, if we're going to be honest, makes the loss for Bruins fans. Just a little less harsh. Because we all have a heart. We all like to see kids happy. And Layla Anderson not only got to go to games in St. Louis for the Blues, but was cleared to go to Boston for Game 7 of the Stanley Cup and got to kiss the cup afterwards. Now granted, no matter who won, I think they should have had her come down to the ice to kiss the cup. But making it the Blues, obviously extra special since she's a Blues fan. She, uh, if you don't know the story, she's a little girl who's been battling HLH, which is a weird blood disease, I think, that autoimmune, all these different things. So it, I think she has a, what one of them can give her cancer, and I think she has that, so she's been battling that. Uh, she's captured everybody's hearts, and it's a great moment. The video of her mom just telling her she gets to go to Game 7 in Boston just the pure excitement, I think, not only for the fact she gets to go to Game 7, but the fact that she gets to go to another city that isn't St. Louis. It's just phenomenal. I mean, it really should make it a little easier for everybody to bear the fact that the Bruins lost if you're a Boston fan. Because just watch the videos. If you're sad, watch her videos. Watch her excitement, her joy of being celebrating with those players. And it just makes it a little bit better. The last thing I'm going to say about the Stanley Cup. And more so, it was after the Stanley Cup was already done. After the Bruins completely flopped. Creating the worst Game 7 ever. The fact the Blues... This isn't even the last thing I was going to say. The fact the Blues somehow won 10 of their games in this playoffs on the road. And had a losing home record. 
So actually ended up benefiting them that game seven was in Boston, apparently, and not St. Louis. Just ridiculous. Another another ridiculous fact about this Stanley Cup run for the Blues. But the last thing I'm going to say that I think is just hilarious is NBC. After the, after the game was over, they have players, hot mics galore, the players talking, celebrating. A lot of F-bombs. And it was hilarious. And NBC, after they went to commercial break and came back, had to apologize to everybody for their obscene language that they heard from the players and how they had to mute the mic now. I have to laugh. Because NBC. Just think about one second. Just be a normal person, producer, people, whoever you are that runs this. You're watching a bunch of grown men who fight, skate on blades, and all these other things, play with broken jaws, win a Stanley Cup championship. And you don't expect any of them. You don't think to your head, They're guys, these guys are going to keep a PG, right? They know they're mic'd up. They know in this whole, you know, excitement and fulfillment of joy and realization that they're champions after this hard, hard season, all their work pays off. They're going to know not to say anything they shouldn't, right? (laughs) Oh, to see their faces when all those words and all those obscene language was dropped would be priceless. Whoever was supposed to be hitting the sensor button, terrible job. Put the celebration on like a five-second delay, if that's what you're worried about. I mean, I don't know why anybody didn't think of that. These are grown men, professional athletes who just won a championship. This isn't guys' grocery games. This isn't Food Network or HGTV. They're going to curse. How this did not come into your brain at all, I have no idea. But it was funny while it lasted. I think we should get more hot mics. I think there should be a disclaimer after a championship is won saying obscene language may be heard. Just give people a warning. It was past 10 o'clock. Like, who cares? I I know it's like 11 or 11.30 or midnight or whatever that you can curse. But they won a championship. Deal with it. Let us that that those moments are what fans like any any sports fan, not even just that team, any sports fan outside of the team that lost. That's the moments they want to hear, they want to see and listen to because it's just awesome. It's just pure elation from all these players, and it's just coming out of them. And who cares what it sounds like? Probably has a Canadian accent. But that's all I got for hockey. That's all I got for this season of hockey. Maybe in a few months, I'll talk some more. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll become a hockey guy. Maybe World Hockey Report on 12-Ounce Sports Radio will have me. Probably not because I don't think I can name more than like 15 players in the league. But hey, you never know. Is Wayne Gretzky still playing? No? Eh. I gave a shot. All right. So that is it for hockey. We're going to take another break. This time we're going to hear words sometimes, you know. This time we're going to hear from Twin Spires. So here we go. Want to place a bet on horses but don't know where to go? Check out Twin Spires for all your horse betting needs. All you have to do is follow the link at 12 on Sports Radio. It'll take you right to Twin Spires or go there directly yourself. 
put on promo code 12 ounce sports to get a nice 100% back of what you put in, have a little extra money to gamble with. Check it out, Twin Spires. So this last part of the show, we are going to cover a slew of different subjects. We're going to go from MLB to the US Open, a little bit of maybe World Cup talk, because when you win 13 to nothing, you got to talk about it. And then besides that, a little bit of NFL talk, not much. And that'll just wrap it all up. Nice little bow put on it before Father's Day weekend. So first, we will talk about the MLB news. There's not that much going on in MLB right now. You know, it's part of the season where everything's kind of just jumbled up. All-star voting, you can talk about it if you want, but we're not going to. We're going to talk about the one story and the one story that kind of mattered in the baseball world this week. And that is David Ortiz. If you don't know by now, or if you live under a rock, David Ortiz was shot in the Dominican Republic. And when I say shot, literally shot through his back, came out of stomach in an apparent assassination attempt. Now, why would somebody want to do this? Speculations have run wild. The most important thing out of all of this is the fact that Ortiz is okay. He is back in Boston. The Red Sox sent a plane for him after he recovered and surgeons did their job in the Dominican Republic. And he's here. He's resting. All signs point to he's going to be fine, which is great. You don't ever, obviously, want to see anybody ever, you know, have that happen to them in their life. So it's very glad, especially as a Red Sox fan, the fact that Ortiz is okay. It's just one of those things. It's still crazy to try to wrap your head around thinking that a guy like David Ortiz, who is essentially a god in the Dominican Republic for everything he has done for them, would be shot. Now, it came out today that the person that did shoot him apparently was given $7,800 in American money, which equates to 400,000 Dominican pesos to try to carry out the shooting. That's crazy. That seems like pennies. I get there in the Dominican, it might be a lot, but like to think that you're worth $7,800 to shoot, like what could Ortiz have done to whoever it was? Speculations running wild that Ortiz was having an affair, all these different things. But it's just a weird thing to talk about. Ortiz is one of the most beloved players in Major League Baseball maybe ever, especially in Boston. I mean, he is essentially the mayor of Boston when he's here. He's just a giant teddy bear. He does a lot of good work, both here and especially in the Dominican Republic. So it was just crazy news when it came out that on Sunday night he was shot. The video is even more terrifying, not only for the fact that like you just actually see David Ortiz get shot, but for the fact of how it happened. The person just literally stood behind him and shot him. Didn't, didn't do any, just bang, pulled the trigger. Right in a public setting, which even weirder to me. But luckily, his condition is good. He's had a few surgeries now. Everything's all right. It's just, I mean, words can't describe what the situation was. People were waiting with bated breath. Twitter, tons of different reports came out. First, he was shot in the leg. Then he was shot in the back. We don't know if he's okay. They need tons of blood. Just a lot. One of the craziest parts is the fact that Ortiz got to the hospital because a businessman, after the gunshot happened, 
everybody scattered except this guy who saw Ortiz and threw him in the back of his car and drove him to the hospital. Who knows what would have happened if that guy didn't stick around. But if you're wondering kind of why I'm bouncing all over the place with this, it's just, how do you talk about this? Not very often, one, do you hear about a lot of professional athletes getting shot. And two, you don't hear about many athletes, especially one like Ortiz, who has done so much for his country, be somebody that, you know, kidnapping, heard about it. All these different things. But the fact that he was targeted for an assassination attempt based on what all the reports have come out is bonkers. Pedro Martinez gave was super emotional on Monday night when he was doing his baseball show. It was just, it's just a weird thing. Luckily, he's okay. All signs, like I said, point to it. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing. I know I keep saying it, but I figured I had to talk about it at least for a second. And in this case, like four minutes. So hopefully Ortiz gets healthy. I know he's a big listener. So Poppy, get better. We're all glad you're good. And can't wait to see you at Fenway. Let me know when the suite, you know, when we're going to the suite. But besides that, so that's MLB talk. That's all I'm covering for the major leagues right now. Because like I said, not a whole lot going on. But enough of a big enough story that had to at least touch on it. For now, we're going to go to the PGA where the U.S. Open is taking place. And, of course, it's at Pebble Beach. What's so important about Pebble Beach? Well, Tiger won the Masters. And Pebble Beach for the U.S. Open has also been a place where Tiger has tended to dominate in his past. He holds the course record for lowest score at Pebble Beach for a U.S. Open. And right now, he currently you know, is in at least a few shots back. So, you know, he still has a chance. Right now, the biggest guys that had, you know, great first rounds were Ricky Fowler, Xander Schaefer, Louis Usheisen, Aaron Wise. Um, I mean, all these guys, you know, at least were five under for the day. Pretty impressive. All, you know, going to be right up there, you expect, all weekend. Because today's conditions, I mean, it was a little it was a little dreary looking out there. The greens were bumpy at times. You know, Brooks Kopka is there, Rory. You got a lot of big names and a lot of names you're not used to hearing at the top of the leaderboard right now, which makes it way more exciting. It also is great that it ends on Father's Day on Sunday because, you know, every dad's going to get to watch the actual ending. They can say that's their gift. So, you know, there's that. But... Looking at it, I mean, Ricky Fowler is one of those guys that maybe it's his time. I'm not going to make any predictions because most of my predictions have been terrible. I thought Bruins in seven. So there's that. But Tiger, hot putter yesterday. He was looking good. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to look at scores today. You know, a lot of the rounds are just kind of started a little bit ago. So, who knows? Could be a fun weekend. Plenty of guys, you know, still. It's going to be the cut's going to be the most interesting thing because right now, with the leaderboard, you know, five, six under par, usually you go 10 shots back, which means a lot of guys, if it stays, if everybody plays the exact same way, would be making the cut. One of the biggest surprises, at least to me, is the fact that Tony Fino. Played so poorly yesterday. 
I mean, for a while he was plus three, and that was through 11 holes. And, you know, just he's been one of those guys that's kind of always been at the top, at least in majors the past few years, especially the Masters. He always seems to be in the top 10. You thought maybe, you know, he's finally figuring it out. He's playing big in majors. Maybe he misses the cut. That would be a big miss. That would be somebody that people would be like, wow, can't believe he missed. Guys like Bubba Watson, nobody's going to be that shocked because Bubba is such an up-and-down player. But we all know eyes are going to be on Tiger, Brooks, Jordan Spieth, Rory. I mean, you know who the top guys are, and if you don't, that's fine. Overall, I'm at least predicting in the end you're going to have Brooks, I think Ricky's going to be hanging around all weekend. Rory. And uh, I'm going to throw Tiger in just because he has a history at Pebble Beach. He's always played there, well there. He's very comfortable at that course. He knows it pretty well. And, I mean, if his putter is going well, if he's getting hot with that putter, he's going to be hard to stop. He just is. Tiger's game, everything else, if it's, if it's even decent, if his putter is working, it's going to bode well for him. So those are my guys. That's who I think is going to be around the top, at least. We'll see how it goes. But that's my prediction, at least for now. It's four guys. So, you know, if you're doing weekend, daily fantasy stuff, those are four guys. Try to get into your lineups. That's about it. All right, so besides PGA, besides MOB, we're going to talk about World Cup a little bit. So the Women's World Cup kicked off, and the USA did what the USA does. Defending World Cup champions come out against Thailand and absolutely demolish them. Now, I'm not just saying, like, 5 nothing, 6 nothing. No, they went record. 13 nothing. The previous record? 10 nothing in a World Cup. Alex Morgan had five goals herself. That, I mean, she almost had a double hat trick. That's how big of a blowout the U.S. had. Now, the biggest controversy of the whole game wasn't the fact that the USA ran up the score. People were fine with that. People were like, whatever, run up the score. It's cool. The issue they had was the U.S. women celebrating after every single goal. Now, I get it. I understand People don't want to celebrate, you know, if you're up big, it's like, what are we teaching our kids? You don't celebrate when you're clearly blowing a team out. It sets a bad example. You know what? This isn't the no fun World Cup. This is just the plain World Cup. Do you know how often this event comes around? Yeah, once every four years. Once every four years, these countries... These teams, these players have a chance to win the World Cup. And what do you do? You celebrate when you score. Because guess what? I bet you a bunch of these people that score may, one, have never scored before. Two, it's the World Cup you've been waiting four years for this moment. Or three, maybe it's your last World Cup. Maybe you're never going to get there again. Who knows? Whatever the reason, everybody has their own reason to celebrate. They don't care what the score is. Now, yes, I can see why you don't want them to celebrate. Because once it gets to like 6 nothing, 7 nothing, 
the other team's going to get, you know, embarrassed. It's a bad look. But you know what? It's the same in baseball as it is in soccer and every other sport. If you don't want something to happen, do something about it. If you don't want them celebrating, play better defense. If you don't want them showboating on home runs, don't throw in the fastball right down the middle. Make the pitch that you need to make. Hit the spot. Every single thing can be prevented if you really try hard enough. That's how you got to look at it. You can't really just say, no, don't celebrate because somebody was talented enough to do so. You, you just can't do that. It's not a thing. You can't tell people, hey, I know you've waited a really long time for this moment in your life. This might be your first World Cup goal ever in your whole entire career. This might be your only chance to ever score. Once you score, can you please just walk back to your side of the field quietly and quaint? No. Don't do that. Why should you have to do what other people expect? Because you know what? Say the U.S. lost 13 to nothing against Thailand. People would still be complaining, being like, they're the defending champs. This is an embarrassment. How could they lose so badly to another team? And did you see how that team celebrated? They deserve to celebrate on us because of how bad they beat us. It's exactly what people would be saying. It would be the same reaction, just word it differently if it was a different outcome. And it's just complete bull. You can't just get that mad about every single thing. Who cares? These women have worked hard. They are talented enough. They have scored more goals in one World Cup game than the men's side has won, scored, not won, scored in the past four World Cups total. Think about that. That's how talented this women's team is. And who cares if they know they're going to beat the snot out of every single team in their group by 10 goals. Celebrate each one because, again, it's not an everyday thing. It doesn't happen every year. If you're in the NBA Finals, like the Warriors or the Cavs were, or guys like that, if you're showboating after every three-pointer and everything like that, and you're doing it year in and year out, then I can see the argument. If it is a yearly thing that you're doing, I get it. This is a once-every-four-year event. This is a potential once-in-a-lifetime event for some of these players. Take advantage of it. Celebrate all you want, because at the end of the day, it's your life. Who cares what other people think? You do what you want to do. That's how I feel about that, if you were wondering. But also, just in general, the U.S. women's team is amazing. They're very, very talented. And clearly, I think the odds on favorite to win the World Cup. It's just, I mean, who, who's going to take them down? USA is all the way. If you don't think that, I would love to know who you think is going to win the World Cup. All right, so finally, last thing we're going to talk about, a little bit of football, so some quick hits. So for quick hits, I would just like to know, whoever decided to make the Raiders the team for Hard Knocks is an absolute genius. I know they were one of the teams that was a possibility to be taken and chosen for this. But honestly, who else were you going to go with? The answer is no one. You weren't going to pick anybody else. The Raiders were above and beyond the clearest choice ever, ever in the Hard Knocks history of being teams chosen. Just the fact that they have John Gruden 
would have been enough for me. But they have John Gruden, Antonio Brown, Richie Incognito. You got Vontez Perfect. I mean, you have such a cast of misfits on this team in their final year in Oakland before they're supposed to go to Vegas. It's bound to give you gold. Like, the ratings for this should be higher than Game of Thrones because of how much more odd political, because it's not even going to be political, it's just going to be divas and guys that don't care about who you are, what you're doing, any of that. All on one team. It's a bunch of psychopaths on one team. Sociopaths, whatever you want to call them. All on the same team. And John Gruden running Spider-2Y Bananas. Day in, day out. Spider-2Y Bananas. That's it. That's like That should be the whole series. Just him having them run those plays. And just like trick plays. Don't show anybody any real play. Just a bunch of trick plays. That's it. That would be genius by John Gruden. Just be like HBO. Show only trick plays. And if they're like, nope, we're not going to do that, then just run trick plays. Learn the rest of the playbook during the season because Raiders, you're not going to do well this year. Sorry if that's brutally honest. You're just not. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. If you could repeat as HBO Hard Knocks next year, that would be fantastic because I would watch it again and again. Tell me you wouldn't. Tell me you wouldn't, and I'll, I won't believe you. But that's all I have for quick hits because you got to talk about the Raiders and Hard Knocks just even for a minute. So that'll do it for quick hits. And that'll do it just in general for the show completely. Gentlemen, fathers out there, have a great weekend celebrating, getting celebrated. You deserve it. It's my first Father's Day. I'm excited. See what my little guy, you know, has planned for me. I'm pretty sure if he just says my name a few times, I'll take that. That'll be my gift because it's pretty awesome. Every dad out there knows what it's like to have a little one. It's a great feeling. It's a great thing. Hopefully you get to maybe watch the U.S. Open with your kids. Or if your wish is for them to leave you alone so you can watch it in peace. But whatever your Father's Day is, whatever your weekend plans are, enjoy them. Hopefully you have as great weather as I'm going to have. It's going to be nice and sunny all weekend. And just enjoy yourselves. You know, enjoy the sports like always. And that's it. Remember to follow me on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. Follow me on Instagram at the SportsDance and Facebook. And I will see you all same time next week. Have a good one. The Sports Dance.